grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to read you a portion of uh, what was not in the gospel lesson, but I am going to be using in my sermon. From John 3, 14 to 21. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe him in him is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name in, in the name of the Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what is true, comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. So far the text. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, dear Christian friends, John Fisher, in his book, On the Hill Too Far Away, tells of a church in Old Greenwich, Connecticut, that contains a one-of-a-kind cross. Now, it's not a cross that is overly unique. It's where the cross is positioned that is truly unusual. The cross isn't behind the altar or above the altar. The cross in this Presbyterian church is bolted down in the cement floor right in the middle of the aisle between the pews and the altar. It's an obstruction. The pastor's words have to pass through it. The congregation's eyes always have it somewhere in view. It is a sturdy wooden cross, 10 feet tall, made of raw, untreated wood. Pretty is not the word. One would describe that. Were it not used in that kind of cross, surrounded in the world, it knows the true meaning, or they do not know the true meaning, and they fall into that trap of a user-friendly gospel. Have we forgotten in the middle of the gospel of Jesus Christ stands a cross? an instrument of execution of which our Savior lived out his undying love by dying on it. And that's a one and only love. You know, we easily throw out our love around, don't we? Don't we hear, I just love the TV show. Or I just love the pastor's sermons and they're short too. I like to meet the new love of my life. Often our statements of love end with an exclamation point. And love should be an exclamation point in our lives. 
and we could share stories of love that changed our lives. We could probably spend the same amount of time sharing stories of lives broken and hurt from a lack of love or change in that loving relationship. Do you know why toy makers watch the divorce rate? When it rises, so does the toy sales. According to the analysts, divorced parents and grandparents in these families tend to compete for the child's affection by buying toys. There is one kind of love that stands alone, and it's ours. It's summed up in that probably the most recognizable Bible verse in Christendom, John 3.16, the gospel I call in a nutshell. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It tells of a story of the worst, most incredible love story using only 26 words. And it doesn't use the words, I love you. And yet those 26 words scream the message from heaven, from the cross, throughout the church today. Though it may be a familiar story to many of you, we must never tire of it. We must never take it for granted or doubt it. One time for family devotions, Martin Luther once read the account of, from Genesis 22. Abraham offered Isaac on the altar, and Luther's wife, Katie, said, I don't believe it. God would not have treated his son like that. But Katie, Martin said, he did. A one and only kind of love for our salvation. It's not, an only, it's not only a story of love, it's a love story which is, has an ultimate ending, the saving of the world. Jesus tells us in our, in our text for today, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. To understand what Jesus was trying to say he was to, to Nicodemus, we have to go back into the desert where the children in, of Israel were, complaining as they usually did to Moses and to God, that they had no food, they had no water. And as a punishment against them, God sent venomous snakes, and they bit the people, and many Israelites died. Moses prayed on behalf of the people. And these snakes, to that these snakes be removed. And God told, told Moses to construct a bronze snake and to put it on a pole. And the people were to look at that bronze snake and they would live. But this incident of the children of Israel in the desert was a foreshadowing of the salvation that comes by Christ being raised on a cross. And as Moses lifted this snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man would be lifted up. Jesus, God's Son, will be put on a cross. And when we look at that cross in faith, we will not only be saved, not only be saved from our sins, but we will have eternal life.
when Abraham Lincoln's body was brought to Washington from Washington, D.C. to Illinois after he was assassinated. It was paraded, he was paraded in Albany, New York. And they say that an Afri African-American woman stood on that curb and lifted her son, her young son, as far as she could above the heads of the crowds. And she said, take a long look, honey. He died for you. So if I could, I would lift up your spirit to see Calvary. Take a long look. He died for you. Yes, we look to be saved at times from our problems with the things of this world and not the cross. A young lady who just broke up with her boyfriend, her fiance, wrote this note. Dear Jimmy, no words could express the great unhappiness I felt since breaking up our engagement. Please say that you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you forever, Maria. P.S. Congratulations on winning the state lottery. We need to look at the world who became flesh to dwell among us for our, our salvation. A one and only kind of glory is there. This salvation has come through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, which brings the light and all glory must see that light in the world. And remember this very, very strongly this morning that we play no part in that salvation. In verse 21 of our text this morning tells us, but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. St. Paul tells us also in Ephesians chapter 2, 8, and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And God receives all the glory through the eyes of that empty tomb. And in verse 10, it goes on, Paul says, we are also God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. When looking at a Rembrandt painting, the three crosses, you first notice that center cross on which Jesus died. And then you notice the crowd that is around the foot of that cross with the various facial expressions and actions of the people involved in that awful crime of crucifying the Son of God. And finally, your eyes drift away to the edge of the painting and catch the side of another figure, almost hidden in the shadows Art critics say that this is a representation of Rembrandt himself, who recognized by his sins, he helped nail Jesus to the cross. There's a reason so many people are familiar with the words of John 3.16, because it tells the love that we long for and need. It tells of our salvation, which we don't deserve, 
but receive it by grace. It tells of the glory that we know isn't ours, but that we graciously give to God, the author and the perfecter of our faith and salvation and our lives of love for him and others. By the way, if you happen not to know this Savior, I love to have you meet the love of my life. His name is Jesus. He loves you with all of his heart, and he knows your need for his love and salvation. Amen.